Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Matt Ketchell, one of the football editors of Chronicle Live. Filling in for your usual match review host, Andrew Musgrove, is on a, a break this week. I'm joined by our chief Newcastle United reporter, Lee Ryder, and we're going to dissect what turned out to be a bitterly disappointing afternoon in the Midlands as Newcastle lost 4-0 to Leicester City. Uh, I believe the official official classification for that result is a tonk. Newcastle were tonked in uh, Leicestershire. Lee, you were, of course, there reporting for Chronicle Live. A uh, hugely deflating result in performance, but... I think I'd like to at least start with um, the main positive of the, of the day, which was uh, the Newcastle away end, over 3,300 fans in there, most of whom had come down from Tyneside. I thought they were magnificent, and not many uh, fan bases would be singing as loudly or, or applauding the team after a 4-0 defeat, but those fans were. Yeah, they were. I mean, if, you know, if we're going to be topical about it, it would be nice if UEFA could... Uh, arrange for just to play the game again, have another goal like they've done with the, the Champions League draw this morning. But, uh, yeah, the, look, the fans, they were absolutely fantastic. Even uh, during the warm-up, they were singing away. Leicester, as you know, they have the, the music on absolutely blasting it. It's, it's louder than any other ground for some reason. I don't know. And they've got the clappers as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and Newcastle managed to, you know, with 3,300 fans chant over the top of them, um, even in the build-up. And then during the game, obviously, you know, at 0 one 0-2-0-3-0-4-0, they were right behind the team. Um, although I have looked at some of the fan blogs and uh, some of the criticism from the pain fan is um, is there to be heard as well, which I think people are entitled to their opinion. Some of it was uh, quite strong. Um, but I think got every right to be disappointed but in terms of backing it was 10 out of 10 Yeah so on, on to matters on the pitch then Newcastle have such a mixed record at the King Power Stadium it seems they either win convincingly or lose convincingly unfortunately it was the latter yesterday was that a big missed opportunity for Eddie Howe's team given the context of the game you know Leicester had only just returned from the Europa League match they had in Italy on the Friday morning they're struggling with a bit of a Covid outbreak and, and the game was almost postponed wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think Leicester got back at 2.30am on Friday, so didn't have a lot of time to recover. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously you had the COVID issues as well. It was touch and go where the game went ahead. A few of the niggles and knocks that they've got. Um, and then, as the game sort of unfolds, Johnny Evans going off with an injury. You have to put a midfielder into a back five. Uh, who's only played there, I think it was eight times in his career. So for me, that that was a real invitation to to have a go at them. And uh, they just couldn't seem to, in the final third, just couldn't seem to, um, you know, get on the end of anything. But uh, it was it was pretty poor. And as you say, missed opportunity. That was a perfect time to play Leicester. And um, yeah, they're going to have to uh, go back to the drawing board, but it doesn't get any easier against... Um, 
No, not at all. Um, we'll get to Liverpool in a sec. But the, the turning point was the Leicester penalty. Looked very soft to me. Uh, James Madison, he's practically airborne and jumping into LaSalle's leg. Uh, but the captain put himself and in, in the team in a bit of an awkward spot there, didn't he, with a bit of lax playing out from the back. I wondered how you saw it. Yeah, it was a sort of exchange between him and Shelby, wasn't it? Um, not a place to, in my opinion, not a place to be messing around, although you do see a lot of the top teams now passing it across the six-yard box uh, very uh, very stylishly. But Newcastle are not at that level for me and no messing about um, uh, because things like that happen. And then, obviously, the penalty, was it a dive? Yes. Um, was it a penalty? Probably because Lascelles has flicked his leg out. I said that at the time. Um, I still think that now. If he doesn't flick his leg out, doesn't panic, then I think the referee might might see it differently. But it was a horrendous. Uh, you know, nobody likes diving. It's part of the sport now, uh, and sadly, the VAR wasn't used to to the extent it could have been. And mm. Newcastle conceded a very cheap penalty. And yeah, when when it's like that, but but you have to respond from that situation. Regardless of the rights or wrongs of it, the justice of it, you've got to, you know, turn it back round and, and, and go again and, and use your anger and take it out on the opposition rather than just go into that sort of slumber they went into in the second half, which was uh, just massive disappointment. Mm. On Lascelles, he, he was good good against Burnley, I thought, but he relishes games like that, a big aerial battle with Callum, you know, with Chris Wood. He struggled with form and injury and suspension and a lot of fans calling for Federico Fernandes to come in. It's, it's difficult to drop Fabian Shaw because his quality... You've written a piece this morning that fans can read on chroniclelive.co.uk basically calling for Fernandes to start at Anfield. There's a question here actually uh, from Jason Carter who's asking, is the honeymoon period over for how? What, what does Lascelles have to do to get dropped? He's abysmal week after week. Um, I wondered if you could elaborate on, on your thoughts, Lee, on, on, on where you stand with Lascelles and should he be taken out of the team at some point soon? I mean, look, when the team sheets come round the press box, nobody could complain at an unchanged <clears throat> lineup, and you couldn't you couldn't drop Lascelles after Burnley because he was one of the top players. Made 11 clearances. Uh, maybe that was, as you say, his type of game, more physical, physical encounter. Leicester, a lot more tricky in and around the box, have a lot well, they've got world-class players, let's be honest. Um, should he be dropped for the next game? Hard hard question in some ways because, you know, it's your captain. This is one thing, and I mean, on the performance alone, probably should be dropped. Um, on the po- politics of it, dynamics of the dressing room, keeping everybody together, it's a tricky one because that's your captain at the end of the day, and... Eddie Howe does not need to be messing around with the dynamics of the dressing room, upsetting the apple cart, if you like. I think it's a, it's a really tough decision to make. Uh, and obviously, Lascelles has got a lot of influence in the dressing room. I remember when Steve Bruce took over, one of the questions that I asked him was, are you going to stick with Lascelles as captain? And uh, yeah, his response was quite an angry one because obviously... He wanted to protect that relationship with the cells, and uh, I think he has got a lot of influence hmm. in the background. So, 
that will be that that'll be that will be why if he plays that'll be why he plays because he doesn't want to upset the, the dynamics but it's a mm-hmm. huge goal. Yeah. Maybe a three at the back at Anfield is uh, is is his uh, tick out of that tricky decision. Um, since the takeover, I've I've made the mistake of going into games very optimistic and only to be brought back down to earth by what what's happened on the pitch and the stark realities of of uh, where the team find themselves. And I think yesterday epitomised that. I really felt like there was a chance to win, and, and Leicester they were supposed to be tired and and depleted. I wondered did they look tired and depleted at any stage during the game. No, they didn't actually. That was the strange thing about it all. Uh, but as I say, once once Evans went off, that was the chance that to really get in the faces, make life uncomfortable. Newcastle didn't do that, and then obviously they grew in grew in strength and stature after the penalty. Um, and one observation I did make though was I looked down and I thought Brendan Rodgers was sitting there thinking, "I cannot believe how lucky I've been in this game that we've we've come back." We're supposed to be tired, as you say, and we've, we've run out four nil winners. I kind of believe, you know, it looked. He looked like a man whose birthdays had come all at once because, on another day, that that could have gone another way. And uh, yeah, it was just a wasted opportunity because if they if they lose to Man City in Liverpool, but you pick up a point or you you get the win at Leicester, you can almost accept that. But we've conceded more goals in the Premier League now. That only feels like it's going to get worse. I'm, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but it's uh, never easy at the best times going to Anfield. Mm. One advantage you have, Lee, over over those of us watching on TV is the ability to read the players and managers' body language a bit closer up from the press box and the media zone after the game. How did the players look coming off the pitch, and, and what was Eddie Howe like after the game? Yeah, so um, the last few games, as you know, they've, they've done their lap of appreciation. Um, really easy to do when you win. Um, a bit more difficult when you lose. It's even harder when you lose four nil. Um, I believe Sir Maximin just went straight down the tunnel and didn't take part in this. Um, that was one observation. Although I didn't see that myself, I've just seen one of the supporters talk about that on on uh, on social media. But I noticed Joe Linton um, gave them a little clap and then went to go away. And then someone said, "No, no." Let's all go over, and they went over, and it wasn't. It was never going to be, um, you know, all going over, right, and jumping in, throwing your shirts in the crowd, and all that sort of stuff. It was a bit different, to a bit, bit more subdued, which you could expect. But this is a ground where you remember Newcastle got knocked out the FA Cup uh, by Leicester. They went over, and they got um, a lot of. Well, they, they felt the full fury of the fans that day. That was never going to happen yesterday. Um, and you know a lot of the players uh, went over and they were they got a round of applause. Probably didn't deserve it, but they got one. Hmm. And, and Eddie Howe, he doesn't give a lot away, but how was he in his post-match press conference? As positive as as you can be, and I think that's what New, that's what gives Newcastle a chance, in my opinion, uh, of getting out of this mess. They, that they've got a positive guy in Eddie Howe. He tried to play it down. He said, Let, "Let's not." Let's not have our confidence dented too much um, going into the next game. And he's, he's trying to protect the players, and he's got to do that at the moment. And that that's, that that will be probably the same for most managers. When the the bottom of the league, you you wouldn't you, you wouldn't hammer them in public, and you know that's not going to get the response needed. 
he probably need a little bit of TLC at the moment and he's given them that. Mm. Just looking at the stats, Newcastle had more possession yesterday than Leicester, 53%. They had more shots, 12 shots to Leicester's eight. But I think Kasper Schmeichel was most troubled by an overhit back pass by his own centre-half. Um, what was the story for Newcastle going forward yesterday? Um, sort of good openings to Maximum made towards the end of the second half. The, the actual initial response from the penalty wasn't too bad. A uh, couple of tees and crosses from Saint Maximin. Um Almiron for me did did, did well. Um, I know a lot of people were slating him, but he was working hard. No other player got more tackles in yesterday than Almiron. And it's, yeah, it's a hard one. To, it's hard one to read really sometimes with with Newcastle's players because obviously two games ago, you know, everyone was shouting from the rooftops about Joel Linton. Personally, I, I didn't think he did as great as people were saying. I thought it was, it was I thought that was, it was over, overblown a little bit. And then I think yesterday, Joe Linton, I think the guys on match they highlighted, didn't they? Like he was 17 yards behind his, his runner for one of the goals. I mean, I'm a big Joe Linton fan. I think he's a really good physical player. But uh, it's when when a team's struggling, it you know it's it's about opinions. It's about opinions at the best times, but uh, certainly people can see one thing and um, others others see it, you know, there on the day. And yesterday, I don't think it was hard to give a man of the match, really, because no one really warranted it. But I thought in terms of hard work, I thought Almiron worked hardest. Mm. We've known about the fragility of the back four for a while now, the back line in general. January feels a, a while off. There's still four more games to negotiate before then. Do you expect Newcastle to bring defenders in next month? Um, we've got Chris McNally here asking or, or stating he thinks that we need three defenders and a very good CM. Where do you th- where do you think Newcastle will, will act in January? Uh, definitely defender, definitely a centre-back. Um, I think they've made inquiries already. Uh, I, I wrote a piece, I think it was last month, I can't remember what day it was, but I wrote a piece... Uh, possibility of uh, Steve Cook at Bournemouth who is a player that's certainly on the radar and a player that if you have a look at his social media you will see that he is liking Newcastle posts so whether you can read something to that I'll I'll leave that one leave that one there for you but uh, I think he'd be a good signing person you know because he's no nonsense um, the coach and staff know him well. He'll do exactly what they need to do. It's, it's a bit like when Rafa signed players that he knew. You know, he signed Manquillo, he signed Fernandez, he signed Hosselu, he signed players he knew who would do a job for him. And I think Steve Cook would fit into that category. But uh, <clears throat> as, as you've seen, the that are in the mix, but he would seem to be an easy enough signing to make, and uh, certainly one. Um, that I would well, I would welcome because I think you would just slot in and do do a job. Mm. The modern equivalent of a come and get me plea, liking social media posts. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the first, your first signing as well. It's so important, isn't it? I mean, you, you go back to Keegan days. Um, mm-hmm. Brian Kilclimb, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you brought him in, come in and done a job, helped steady the ship, and that, that's exactly what Newcastle need. They need that. That Brian Kilkline uh, figure to come in and you know, help the team. Mm. 
What about a, a director of football? The owners have been in over two months now. Could that happen before January? Do you think it should happen? Yeah, good question because they've obviously made inquiries about different uh, director of footballs already um, over Mars um, and Malio from Chelsea, the former Chelsea guy. <clears throat> so, a couple, couple of names there they've already looked at, but didn't get in the position of offering them a job. So, we'll have to wait and see. It's, it's got to be the right fit, hasn't it? And could it happen before the, the transfer window? I would say at the moment it's not looking likely, but someone might change their mind, someone that they've approached. So, you, you just never know. But from where we're, where we're sat now, They've got basically two two weeks, just over two weeks to be ready to go on January the 1st. You've got to be ready now. You can't be doing it on deadline day. You know, that's too many games written off. They need those players. They need a couple of bodies ready to go on January the 1st. And uh, hopefully they, they can get, get that in position. And that would have to be with the current head of recruitment, Steve Nixon, working with, with Eddie Howe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool and Man City next. I mean, it literally doesn't get tougher. Uh, Man United after that. Can you give us any straws to clutch at for those games? We've got, we've got some um, some viewers suggesting some ch- changes to the team. Eddie Howe went unchanged yesterday. Do you think Hayden and Longstaff should come in for Liverpool? Asks John Steele. Um, certainly, you know, Joe Willock isn't playing well at the moment. He's not offering a goal threat. You would think that one of them could come in and, and replace him quite quite easily, really. The only the only thing is, you know, he scored at Anfield last season. Um could be could be his ground, do you know what I mean? Could could be could be one where he does well on. So and to be fair, Shelby Shelby's place should be up for uh, debate after yesterday as well, because he didn't have a great game. Um, wasteful in possession. Seemed to just like everybody else, just went backwards after Burnley. You could probably make five or six changes to that team for Liverpool, and nobody would complain. Um, but it, it, when you start making as many changes as that, it almost has that feel of you know desperation, I, I guess is the right word to use. And um, <clears throat> I just hope that they can go there and it isn't too too heavy a scoreline and confidence doesn't get battered and the goal difference doesn't get battered any more than it already is. I think really I, I'm not expecting a lot from this game like like most people. I just hope they don't get absolutely hammered again mm. in that game. And as for the home games, they're different, I suppose, because in front of your own fans, if Newcastle are on their game and the other team are having a bit of an off day, then you can you can pick up points in either of those games. Man United, I'm not. That's the easiest of the three fixtures, actually, Man United. Mm. So you don't see that very often, but I, I think that's there for the take in that one. And I can see them getting something from those, at least a point or two from, from those home games. I've been, there's me positive line <laughs> from your question, but Liverpool, it's, it's always difficult. Yeah. Not many people. Not many fans were alive the last time Newcastle uh, won down there. <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, John also asks um, interesting suggestion. Would you rest Callum Wilson for the next two games and save him for Man United and, and give Dwight Gale a go? 
I can see he's thinking there, but I think with him being so close to a yellow card, he's he's almost going to get an automatic rest at some point anyway. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, he's your main source of goals, really. But I feel sorry for Dwight Gale. He was warming up yesterday and there was like 13 minutes left. And even if he got on with 13 minutes left, that's not enough time to, to get into a game. He needs, hmm. he does need a start. Uh, Wilson, I wouldn't, Wilson wouldn't be the man I would be dropping because he's your your main source of goals. Um, I thought, wow, oh, is it gone out of fashion to play two strikers up front together these days? It, it, it does feel mm-hmm. that way, doesn't it? So, mm-hmm. I, I would I would like to see something positive like that, but I, I don't think we, I don't think we would, and I, I can't see him dropping Callum Wilson anytime soon. Mm. Okay, Lee, we'll we'll leave it there. We're betting in for a um, a long, tough Christmas period. It looks like, but uh, you never know. And I do think that that Man United game is is the one to to look at. A good atmosphere on the twenty seventh of December at St James's Park, and and um, we've had a few good home games against Man United. So here's hoping, eh? Yeah, hopefully. And uh, just just before we go, just to mention that um, our New, Newcastle Fans Footballer of the Year award is wrapping up soon, twenty twenty one. You've um, shortlisted four players for fans to vote on and uh, there's 48 hours left to vote so if anyone hasn't voted please do that i'll put the link to do so in the description the nominees that lee chose are st maximin callum wilson joe willock and murphy so uh, get your votes in and contribute to that and uh, let us know who your uh, the best newcastle player of 2021 was so yeah that's all all for today thanks lee for joining us and um, let you get back to work and uh, thanks everyone for watching and listening <laughs>